It's really good to be back. You know, we, we've been uh, in Brazil and at uh, Reima, Brazil for the last two weeks. And uh, yesterday we were over in uh, WHBC Bradford at the conference and Claire's still there this morning. And uh, each of these places we've been ministering and we've been on receiving. And uh, if anyone's seen Facebook... You'll have seen the beautiful beach, <laughs> sipping coconut juice out of the ju- uh, right out of the coconut, and uh, you know, I've realised I've never really eaten a proper coconut. Those black brown things that we get in the UK—they are rubbish. <laughs> They really are. That is not a coconut. That is an imitation of a coconut. Uh, you know, it's so soft inside that you scoop it out with a spoon. Not this breaking chunks off that you kind of like have to chew and kind of like, it's like cardboard in your mouth. Is that a coconut? Wow. And we've eaten jackfruit and all kinds of other stuff that I'm like, wow. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, we, we've, we've, uh, we ministered to um, a church of uh, 500 that uh, the pastor uh, heard a word uh, uh, from their, the apostle about uh, minister, reaching out to prisons and started a work in a prison, a woman's prison uh, in Brazil, uh, that was a major crime. And the, the first people enrolled on the course uh, of the, this women's prison uh, was one of the women that organized the assassinations for the cartels. Various other folks are serious criminals who have committed murder, extortion, all kinds of things. And uh, I said, so, so, so were these people born again when they came into your cast? And he went, well... The governor suggested these people, and uh, when I began to teach on uh, redemption realities, the 30 uh, women inmates all manifested demons. <laughs> and so we cleared them out of the way, and their lives changed as they received Christ. Yeah. And one of the women, um, uh, her, se- her sentence came to the end with two weeks left in the course, and she stayed in prison to finish the course and refused to be released, and they had their graduation service with them taking the cufflinks, the handcuffs, sorry, off the prisoners, and these women were then dressed, given makeup, the beautician came in to help them, and they received their graduation certificates from Rhema in the prison with one of the judges speaking and giving testimony to the lives changed who put those women in there. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? I tell you, God is so good. There's a, another a place we went to visit, and the, uh, the pastor there uh, agreed to go and pastor this small town. 15,000 people, which in Brazil is quite small. Uh, it's quite a small t- uh, town. And uh, they, they uh, started a work there uh, uh, 
with uh, children, and they now have the biggest social project in the whole of Brazil, a school teaching the uh, children that were thrown out of school because they were so uh, wild and no one could teach them, uh, a Picanicas or something like that, I can't remember the exact name, and they are doing an awesome work that if you look at this church, they don't have anything significant. But they are reaching thousand plus kids now because others began sending their children to the school and it had as a doctor's surgery and they have a, a pediatrician and they have other doctors, uh, skin care and as part of this whole work and ministry in a town of 15,000. The, the town voted him to be the mayor, even though he didn't want to be. He's not standing for election. God is gracing people to change their area. We preached in a church, uh, uh, the main church, and uh, there was over a thousand last Sunday night, and we were, and I was preaching, and bringing the word. And in the middle of that, uh, there were 20 people came forward who were barren and miscarriages and hadn't been able to conceive. And God touched every single one of them, bringing healing. So I'm looking forward to the results in a year's time. Find out just how many of those babies uh, the people uh, are now... (laughs) But in the midst of that, God also gave a word and knowledge about someone with a hole in their heart. And God wanted to heal that hurt. And that person was not a, not a Christian, not walking with God. But God said to them, I want you to know my love. I want you to know my care that if you will come forward, I'm going to heal you. And if you want to give your life to the Lord, I'm going to receive you. And just know the care of God. This is the heartbeat of God. He wants none to perish. He wants none to perish. Uh, we've been so blessed, Clara and myself, while we've been there. But we've come back with a challenge, really, to ourselves. A challenge about the, the way we're living and the grace of God that God wants us to minister in here. And... Uh, and having seen that, that was, that's great. But we then went over to Bradford and we've had the conference there. And God's been speaking and doing some exciting things. You know, Bradford's really coming of age. There's people starting to come into the church. You know, it's taken a little bit of time to get going. But it was like, you know, Chris and Abby, when I go into their house, it may not look the way that Claire and I would set it out. But it's a fully functioning house. There's food on the table. There's, there's things happening. Yeah? And God wants us to make sure we're building right. What are we building? Let's just turn in the scriptures to Matthew 7. Matthew 7, and I'm going to start at verse 
24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words. So you have to look at the previous verses to find out what those words were. Okay? A a tree and its fruit. The narrow and the wide gates. Ask, seek, knock. Judging others. Do not worry. I'm just reading the headings. In my Bible, you know, of the, of the previous scriptures. Yeah? It says, Therefore, if anyone hears these words... Oh, okay. So, the words he's referring to are what came before. Yeah? yeah. It's, it's simple, isn't it? You know, it's straightforward. The, the words you've heard. Okay? If anyone hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, he's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The winds came, the rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Well, you know, I always hope that when you hear me preaching, you recognize authority, or at least you recognize Jesus' authority. And, uh, you know, we're quick in the UK to put men down, and women. We don't want anyone built up too high, especially pastors, because they have a tendency to do the wrong things and fail, fall. So let's not, let's not elevate people. And that's, that's kind of right. But Jesus said about his word. He said about his word. If you put my word into action, put them into practice. Uh, and Claire and I, when we were thinking about this series while we were away, we, we, we wrote a question, a strap line, and we, we just put this, this, do we recognize what stability, maturity, and leadership look like? You know, when I was a brand new Christian, the revelation that God gave me of himself was kind of, one thing. I don't know, if we went around this room, we would say, one person would say, God showed me his love. Another one would say, God showed me his forgiveness. Another person would say, I saw him as father. Another person would say, I saw his glory. Or whatever it is, we saw usually one aspect of God that God has saved. But that 
is like trying to be on a pogo stick or on, a, or on one stilt. You're kind of trying to balance the, and you've got no stability and you, you're, you're trying to hold things together on one truth. That is instability. And that's why so many people, and you see that the greatest, you see that with uh, pop stars or people of fame in the media who give their life to Christ, but the reality is they don't have a foundation that enables them to be stable. And so that public testimony of who Christ is for them is flawed. And you can look at who's on YouTube at the moment and hear kind of comments from this person or that person. And I'm making no judgments about them. What I'm actually saying is none of us, when we first got saved, had the whole gospel. We were inherently unstable. James said... A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Romans tells us that we need to be renewed in our minds to not conform to the world's patterns. So you have this thing going on in your mind about what is right and what's wrong. Well, let's just turn to another scripture. We're going to come back to the house. Um, Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5. Verse 11. Hebrews 5, verse 11. We have much to say about this. Say about what? Well, high priests, sonship, orders of Melchizedek, Prayer and suffering. We have much to say about these things. But it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. That doesn't sound very nice. I'm not saying to you you're slow to learn. Okay? Just don't get offended. Don't take offense. Now, I'm not saying that. I'm looking at what the Bible says. So... God doesn't want us slow to learn. He doesn't want us slow in the transition from hearing to putting into practice. Yeah? Hearing's one thing. Putting it into practice is something different. Yeah? So what does it say? In fact, by this time you ought to be teachers. Can you raise your hand if you are discipling someone at the moment? Can you stand? If you are discipling on a weekly or more than once a month basis, someone, you're actually discipling them. Can you stand? Mm -hmm. Okay. You are putting... The word of God into others. Wow. That's not many. Is it? 
I want you to look around. I want you to look around. Because God's commission to us, every single one of us, is to go and make disciples. Teaching them all that you have been taught by him. He doesn't say teaching them everything that Pastor Alan or Brother Hagen or someone else, thank you, you can say it, knows. Teaching them all that I have taught you. Mm. And what does it say here? You should, you ought to be teachers by now. You ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still, still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Now, this is not a trick question. Would the rest of you who didn't stand say that you are an infant in the faith? I wouldn't say it of you. Would you say it of yourself? Okay. So, okay, I want you to hear that. I would not say that about you. In fact, what do Claire and I say about you? We say about this church that we have a church of leaders. Yeah? You've heard us say that on more than one occasion. Okay? But you're only a leader if someone's following. Yeah? You're only a leader if you're actually leading someone. Otherwise, it's just a title. It means nothing. So what does it say? And what, Let's have a look in verse 14. Solid food is for the... It's for the... It's for the... It's for... Who? Who's the mature? It's for me. Isn't it? It's for you. Look at the person beside you and say, it's for me. I want you to say that to someone. It's for me. Is that right? Solid food is for me, and it is for you. So I want you to say that to the person beside you. Solid food is for you. Okay? What I'm saying... is a word from God about this church in this time and this season. You and I need to repent because we are ignoring the call of God on our life. We are putting it second place to every other kind of calling if we are not discipling someone. Is that right? Uh, sorry, this is the word of God here. 
If you are not discipling someone, you are ignoring, stomping on God's word in your own life. Ouch. All right. Let's try and make it a little bit more gentle. Okay, let's see. Let's see what we do with food. With food. Who, the mature, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. This is the issue Adam and Eve had in the garden. They had all this wonderful food banquet... They had all the authority, their dominion. Everything was set up for them. And one crazy psychopath, lunatic, came along and said, you're limited. You're limited. Because there's one thing you're not allowed to do. You're totally limited. You have no freedom because you can't do this thing. And he points out the one thing that God said, that belongs to me, it's not for you, it's mine. And we swallowed that line and got hooked on the wrong things. But the mature have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. God's never intended us from eat from the knowledge of good and evil, but to understand good from evil. The tree of life enabled you to only live in the good. We were never to experience, taste, have knowledge of, or any involvement in evil. We were to train ourselves to distinguish and only choose right. That helps us to live right when we disciple someone else. When you are telling someone else and explaining and unpacking God's forgiveness and his mercy, it's really hard not to forgive other people that annoy you. It keeps you in check. You know, as, I, as, as Claire and I, as we've been out teaching ministry and doing all kinds of things, we've had no problem with sin. David had no problem with sin when he was fighting Goliath. He only had a problem with sin when he didn't end up on the front line doing the fighting. That's when he saw Bathsheba, got into sin, committed murder and adultery and all kinds of things, and tried to hide it all from God. Leaders don't get into sin when they're out ministering. They get into sin when they've got nothing else to do. You're a leader. Ouch. So that applies to you as well as me. Is that right? How many leaders do we have here? 
how many leaders do we have here in this church? I want you to stand if you're a leader. That's right. Others are beginning to stand. You're beginning to get the idea. It's not just the leaders who are leaders recognized by me in this church. But if you are in this church today and you know Christ, you are called to be a leader. And you should begin to stand now. And that's a bit of a challenge to you. Okay? If you know Christ, he has called you to be a fisher of men and women and kids and old people and marrieds and singles and from your nation and from other nations. That is the call of God on every single person here. Anything other than that is trying to balance on one foot in the gospel and you're going to fall over. Please take a seat. This is why we were writing this and we were going, how do we recognize stability? Stability. Stability is... What does the Word of God say about my daily life? The man who puts one corner of his house on rock does not have a safe house. He has to put the entire foundation. When they were drilling next door and and putting the, the foundations in, they drilled numerous holes. I know because my desk was shaking. (laughs) And at times we were having to hold on to things as they vibrated off the desk. It was almost like an earthquake at times. That's not funny when your things are being shaken. I was hearing testimony of someone who had been through a tornado Their whole house had been affected, but they were in a stable part. But the house got wrecked because the rest of the house wasn't so stable. The storm hits the house. What is stable on the right foundations survives, and what is not does not survive. The person who commits adultery didn't have that area of their life built right before the person they commits adultery with came along. They were ready to commit adultery. They just needed opportunity. The person who lets greed, money, control, salary, work control their lives, didn't have the Lord as their source, as their foundation, 
and therefore the pressure of doing the world's will, being controlled by a boss, controlled by a mortgage, that became more God in your life than anything else. It became more real than your understanding and revelation of the Lord your source. And you, and every one of us at some stage has submitted to this, okay? So don't let anybody think I'm having a go. But we have to learn to not be dominated by our jobs. I still have to learn that one as a pastor, okay? Because I try to work out how to run this church too often. I'm just being honest there. The the difference is I try to work out how to run the church. You're trying to work out how to run your business or your office or how to please your boss. It's still the same thing. My boss is pleased with me when I listen. (laughs) But I learnt that my work boss didn't rule my God boss. I've just got to learn to be the boss who runs right. Okay? You see, that's the difference. This is what stability looks like. That every part of your life, the foundations in each area, you have diligently sought the scriptures that match that area of your life. In India, we said to uh, pastors, what does it mean to be the head of your household? And the pastors all said, well, I control the money and tell my wife what she can have. Without exception, that was their understanding of the scriptures. And so I said, okay, so let's have a look at Proverbs 31. She runs the household, runs the budget, and her husband has total confidence in her and lets her do so. Oh, hang on a minute. That's the Bible. She runs things. Oh, that's okay. She can run the household. She can't do anything. No, no. She goes and trades. She's a businesswoman that he thinks is amazing. And she clothes, she does all kinds of things. Oh, hang on a minute. You mean there's equality? Hang on. Do you understand? This changes our mindset. Men, and I want you to hear this, God never ever called you anywhere in the scriptures to be the provider for your family. Ever. And I want you to break the destructive power of that word over your life. You are not your wife's supplier. You're not your family's supplier. The Lord is. All of scripture says that. So if you're trying to run your family as the man who's the head of the household, you've got it wrong. According to scripture, you've got it wrong. 
Okay. So, that's just one or two areas. But I want to come back to this maturity thing. Because stability leads to maturity. Stability is about having a range of truths in your life held together in a tension which brings a level platform, yeah? That's what we want when we build a house. We want the foundations flat. So you build the foundations down, and some areas go deeper than others to make sure that when the weight goes on it, you don't end up with a leaning tower of Pisa where this side has sunk and that it's literally ready to crumble at any given time. Is that right? So anger doesn't rule us. But when we get angry, we don't sin. Oh, that's an interesting one. So there's things going to happen that are going to provoke you to anger, but don't sin. The scripture. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Hmm. So there are things you can get angry about, but you don't sin when you get angry. When Jesus took the whip to the moneylenders in the temple, he was angry. But he never sinned. Okay? Ah. Hmm. Do you think if we'd been there, we would have thought he was sinning? Look what he's doing. Oh my goodness. He just took a whip at someone. He's an abuser. You can hear people saying, you know, can you imagine the headlines? If I went into the local bank with a whip, do you think they would take kindly to that? I don't think so. And I'm not planning to do so either. But I'm just, I want you to hear what is your thinking process about maturity and about the daily schedule of your life? The schedule of your life. Is it the scripture in the morning? Are you allowing God to speak to you and set the tone of the day? Are you actually doing the basics because you know that tonight you're going to disciple someone before you get home? So, Claire and I, when we were leading life groups back in Horsham all those years ago, I left the house at 7.30 in the morning and I got home on a good night at 7.30 in the evening and we led life group at 7.30. So I got in like two minutes, three minutes before everybody else, provided the train wasn't delayed. So if I hadn't already got the word for the life group, I had no time to do so. So at five o'clock in the morning, I was up praying. Do you know, God sustained me. Because those who wait on the Lord renew their strength. Many people, and I'll just put this out because I want you to understand, I was in the workplace 
We didn't get to bed until midnight most nights, so five hours sleep was my normal sleeping pattern. We were a little bit younger. But you know what? It was fun. It was fun to disciple people, and I didn't struggle with sin much. With a young, young family. Young families don't hold you back. Our kids, before we ever planted the church, were involved in things when they were one and two and three. The mature have learned to, they've trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. There were times we knew we need time for the family. There were times we knew we need to give space for other people. Our house has always been an open house. We've often had people stay with us and live with us. So we had Matt and Julie live with us for the run-up to Easter. Then we had the Whitmans live with us. And then we've gone and lived with someone else for the last week with uh, Jan Wright. She and her husband set up Rama Brazil uh, 30 years ago. They went, just a couple of them, hardly speaking the language, went to Brazil, learned Portuguese. They now have 300 churches and 101 training centers. Who wants to go and plant a church in Warrington or Liverpool or wherever else God starts to show us next? Who wants to set the next two years of their life ready to go on an adventure? Because I've got a bunch of leaders in this church. I should be able to send someone. Or you take over here and I'll go. Isn't that right? We should, as a church, this is what we should be ready. I mean, that's what Matt and Julie taught us. Those of us were around when Matt and Julie were still around. Pastors Matt and Julie. They taught us to send to go. You either send or you go. If you don't go, you pay for others to go. You help you run your finances, you run this church to go. And in trying to solve things, I've lost sight of some of that at times. But every time I have, we've had problems. Every time I increase our giving as a church, we start to flourish again. Right, we are going to increase our giving this year. Claire and I, for the last two years, have increased our giving proportionate to our income. Whether it's food bank, CAP, missionaries, Augustus and Thais came to help uh, Gleason Marina with the, the church plant in, in uh, London. And needs risen for a pastor in Spain, they're going. They got, or, they got ordained with our, uh, in front of us in Brazil uh, last week. You don't even know who they are. But if you look on Facebook, you'll find them. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just throwing some stuff out. I want you to see this exciting adventure that we're on is about to get faster. 
something is about to explode in this nation. And we need to be ready. Do you recognize maturity? Do you recognize stability? Do you recognize in your own life what is not matching those things? And are you willing to begin to tackle it? Caroline, we're going, to st- we're going to do some leadership training in May and June. Next week, you'll have details in the new sheets. Saturday, Sunday night, six weeks. And if you're a current leader, or you would even like to be part of our leadership moving forward, we want to say you are welcome. Six weeks, all current leaders who are recognized by us as current leaders, and anyone else, we want you to give uh, about two and a half hours on a Sunday night for six weeks because we are going to get ready for God doing some stuff. Claire's going to bring the word next week that takes this a little bit further, but I'm telling you, get your seatbelts on because acceleration is coming And we need to make sure we are secure, stable. Maturity is required. So right now, just just before God, I just want want you to say, Lord, I'm available. I'm available. I am going to not look at what I thought I could have done, might have done, should have done in the past... I, today, I say, Lord, I'm available. I've been to college, I've learned stuff, but do you know what, Lord, I've not put it all into practice. Forgive me. And I'm saying that too, because the stuff I haven't put into practice. Heavenly Father, forgive us. You called us to disciple people. You've called us to disciple people, and we have only discipled a few. And Father, I am saying today, whatever you reveal, I will show others. And I'm going to trust you, Jesus, to show me new things so that I can disciple them further. And that they themselves can be disciples. Heavenly Father, I'm just saying I'm available. I'm willing, and I'm going to be obedient, because I'm building my house on rock. As for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my household, we're going to serve you, Jesus. Amen. That's real simple, isn't it?